Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Posecast with Rabbi Shmuel Posner. I'm Seth Hellman. He's the rabbi. And a huge, huge, sorry, huge, forgot talking to a New Yorker here, huge Mazel Tov is in order for the Posner family on the engagement of their son. Avraham Yitzchak. How does it feel? It's amazing. I actually, you know... I knew something was going on. I was in New York on Sunday in Bryant Park. You know where that is? No, I have no idea who that is. It's Manhattan on 47th Street, 46th Street. Oh, Bryant Park. Yes, 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 yes. It's a very nice place. I think you said you were with a guy named Brian Park. And I was like, no, I I have no idea who Brian Park is. With a guy named Zach. (laughs) Welcome to Zach. And my phone rings. It's not from Yitzchak. I said, I'm going to kind of call you back later. He said, he says to me, where are you? I said, I'm in Bryant Park with Zach. He said, no, I got to talk to you now. I said, okay, talk. And he said to me, I proposed. <laughs> and I'm like, my head like exploding with like such excitement and such joy. And I spoke to him for another two minutes and I hung up. And I like, you know, during that the moment when I'm having this conversation with him, like I'm I'm not even aware where I am, you know, like just like and so when I hang up and I like look at him, he's sitting over there and he has like this intent, this kid Zach like has this smile and he's like, he you can he heard half the conversation and I filled him in and it was like it was it was incredible. Yeah, amazing. Baruch Hashem. So here's no, the when question: son, when, when when your son or daughter gets engaged, it means they found their other half of their soul. That's what marriage is. That's why when you find your other half of your soul, you say, "Okay, we'll get married in two years." Like, no, two months max. Even that's much too long. So here we'll we'll have this conversation. What in 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 the opinion of Rabbi Posner, what is the appropriate time to be dating and then of course you've just said that you shouldn't wait any more than two months once you're engaged to get married right so dating is is a little tricky because it depends you know which what your background is so in in if you come from like from a Lubavitch family right so you don't have to go out and find out like um are you going to keep shabbat like you know you pretty much have that down (laughs) Besides all the research you can do, because you can talk to friends of the family and friends of the person you're dating. So you get a lot of background before you even meet them. So dating, a, a comfortable time for dating under those circumstances would be three to four weeks. That's short. For people who don't come from that life, that's like such right, a but you think about concept. It. No, if you think about it, Let's say you meet, you know, you know the, you know who the family is, you know, the, you know, and you know, you know a lot about them. You know where they went to school, you went to where what they did during their summers. You know, you know, you gotta you do all that before you meet them. So now, when you meet them, you're just getting to know the person themselves. You know, all the all the side stuff is, you know, is done with already. The general things, right? And so you figure, I mean, I, I don't want to make this sound too technical, but if you date, let's say twice a week. You meet them six times, eight times. How long, you know, that was my, back in my day. 
back in the last century. Maybe now it's a little bit longer. A month, two months. But that's that's pretty much after that, like what 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 more do you want to know about them? Now, if you're if you're coming from a more more secular upbringing, then you can extend it back to six months. But even that is a little bit too much. Three to four months. I was talking to a certain person. I won't mention his name. <laughs> and I said, and you know, he's he's meeting, he met this woman he's been dating for. I said, How long are you dating? I think he said three months. I said, What are you waiting for? What, what don't you know? What are you going to find out in the next three months or next month? Well, you're not going to find anything new. You know, because dating is not, people think dating is like hanging out. It's not hanging out. It's like an intense interview. We're not sitting across the table just interviewing. You may be doing stuff. The worst thing to do on a date is like sit in a movie. So you're sitting next to the girl and you're both looking at a screen. Like, duh. No. You should sit across the table. So you can talk to each other and discuss things about life. What's important? What do you want to do? How many children you would hope to have? Where are they going to go to school? Well, I mean, that's the big emphasis difference in emphasis, right? Like if you're if you're a Lubavitcher and you're dating, you're not dating for the sake of dating. You're dating for the sake of getting married and having a family and moving right. on with your life. Whereas right. in the secular dating scene, it's very much, you know, and this isn't a blanket thing, but there are a lot of people who are just dating for the sake of dating. And there's no, no that's will. that's that's dumb. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with you, but it's, it's... dumb and oh, oh, you agree with me? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's dumb and it's dangerous, but it messes you up. Right? Yeah, that's. Inter, the, I mean, inter, inter, you know, personal relationship with somebody else affects you, and if it's very close and very intimate, then forget about it. What are you? What are you doing? What are you playing around with like that? It's crazy. Yeah, it's and it's distracting. You see the kids in college that that have boyfriends and girlfriends. It's just a way it wastes their time, wastes their energy. Well, it's always good to have someone to ha that you have that like strong personal connection with when you're in when you're in college. All right, say. a guy, a guy has to have strong connection with other guys and girls with other girls. Well, there's no emotion involved. Not you're not that type of you know, the, you know, the you know. The difference between, let's say, the love between a brother and a sister, right? Everybody loves their brother and their, or their sister. And then there's a relationship between a man and a, a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, and that kind of relationship. It's a different relationship. The way it's explained in Chassidus, from the Reb, actually, the difference is that the, the, the love between a brother and a sister is love like water. The love between a husband and wife is like fire. Right, loving a brother and sister is like it's a calm love. It's like you know, it's calm. I love her. She's my. She's, she. You know, we we have the same parents. We come from the same place. There's a, there's a connection there. There's nothing exciting about it. like. There's no ups and downs. Yeah. We talk about a husband and wife. It's it it's it's a dynamic relationship. They're like there's so much. It's so much deeper. You invest, but it's deeper in a different way. You're challenging each other. You're growing with each other. So it's like fire. It's it's it has much more revealed passion. So and that's a man and a woman that aren't married that that works there. So to not to have that you know friendship type thing is like ridiculous. It doesn't work. Just it just it, it just. I mean I've seen this a thousand times. Like 
Like, what are you wasting your time? You're in college. You, you know, what are you, what are you sitting there? You change? And then well, the, I mean, all, all the, all the, all the guilt. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And same thing also engagement. Engagement is a stupid thing. Once you, once you know you're going to get married, just get married already. Like the, we're not single. We're commit. We're committed to each other. We're not really committed. I can still do what I want because I'm just engaged. I don't. I'm not required to be somewhere at a certain time to be there because she's there, or not there. So in summation, we have to t- we have to take relationships between men and women on a much more deeper spiritual soul thing. And when I say those words, I think, oh, soul, spirit. No, we're talking about a, from Hashem's plan and creation that a man and woman, Adam and Chava created together. They were separated. And Hashem says, go, go, go find each other. So that's you're looking for. You're looking for the other part of yourself to complement who you are. So when you're ready to, to make that commitment to each other, then go look for the other half. And then once you find it, get on, connect, move on. Make sure their mother's Jewish. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the number one question. If you're dating someone, they're not Jewish. You're out of your mind. Well, yeah, for the people who are listening to this podcast, for the most part, yeah, that's not an, you know something they even think about. But they're, you know, I'm not the, sure think about think about the audience that you have as a Chabad on campus rabbi. Right, right. So yeah, that that's a good question. So that that's challenging because I have to then because if they don't, first of all, if they're talking to me, that means they're 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 cognizant of the fact that they're Jewish. If they if they if they weren't if they didn't care about Judaism. They they wouldn't they wouldn't be talking to me. Now what I have to do is have them understand how essential their Judaism is to them. Once they understand how essential their Judaism to them, then they'll also understand that they want to have a mate who has that same connection. So you connect on different levels. You know, you connect on the financial level. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get married and file the joint tax return. Chaim, right? Then you go div- deeper. We connect emotionally. We connect. We connect. You know, practically, and then we connect on, on the on the what's so important to who you are. You're a Jew. Are you connecting as a Jew? Is there a soul connection? No, it's only no only a Jew would consider marriage in terms of filing a joint tax return. <laughs> it's like the most stereotypical thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's, it's external, but if you get closer and closer, it's way out there. You can't even see my hands. Oh, there they are. <laughs> no, this is when you're married. Tax returns are outside off the screen. No, I'm just saying that that you know that connection. So yeah, if they could understand, yeah, but that's the point. That's the key thing. If somebody's thinking of marrying a non-Jew, I say to them, Are you do you care about Judaism? If they don't care, there's nothing to talk about. And the question is, how much do they care about? It? How essential is it to you? And having... the other thing, too, is like, I mean, even from my own personal experience, is like, I, I don't, if they're not coming from the Orthodox background, it might not be something that's in the forefront of their mind when they start dating, and then all of a sudden they get into a certain point and they kind of have that realization of, oh wait. I want my, especially for guys, right? Like I, you know, it's, it's less of an issue for a girl, even though girls should, you should still just marry a Jew anyway. But the, you know, for me, it was, oh, wait, I want my kids to be Jewish. 
right okay so i need to be dating a jewish girl and then that was just from there on it was just a very clear that was the direction to go it took a couple of months to kind of have that realization but right. it was but isn't it wouldn't it be true though in your case that when you when you started becoming more involved in living jewishly like shabbos kosher it's filmed whatever degree you're doing it's not that's not the point right now then you realize not only is it that my children should be jewish but they should also live Jewishly. And that's why, and to your point of saying that a girl should also marry a Jewish guy, even though she have Jewish children, that, and you said it very quickly because you were making your point, you want the kids to be Jewish, I understand that. But then you think the next thing, do you want your kids to grow up Jewishly? Like you have a Shabbos table and like technically, if you're, if the father is not Jewish, he's not making Kiddush. He probably never heard of it. Even if he knows about it, like it's just weird. And when, you, when your son's going to have a bar mitzvah, Ms. Jew, Mrs. Jew, who's going to stand at the bima with your son? His non-Jewish father? So you're right. But that, that, is, that is so. The first thing is, are my kids going to be Jewish? But the, the, the point over here is that in college, kids that are dating are not thinking about their kids. They're thinking about themselves. I don't, think, I don't know if we mentioned this in earlier postcasts, but this is what we talked about at the Begishan. Was it this year or last year? We talked about well, not, have, not having having Jewish friends in college. The importance I don't of remember Jewish. that last year, so it had to have been this one. So listen, this year, you have to have Jewish friends in college. You're gonna marry you. You know, you're gonna get close to somebody, and you're gonna eventually marry them. I don't. I don't know what the statistic is of how many people marry people they meet in college, but it's got to be significant because it makes sense. These are. These the years between eighteen and twenty two, you're going to meet somebody, and you might you know you're pretty mature at that point. You're getting more and more mature as time goes on, so it's important. That, so who, who are you going to who are you going to date? Someone you know? Who do you know? Who are you friendly with? Who you? I take the word friendly and put the word friends. You should be friendly with everybody, but to be friends with you should be friends with Jews because you share their values, and eventually you'll find your mate that way. But yeah, it yeah, that's important. To, that, that's the challenge that Jews should realize that their Jewish identity is essential to who they are, and this brings us to the next subject, which is sunglasses. So it's a good we're going to talk about sunglasses Great. and then umbrellas. This is fascinating. This is fascinating stuff. Now the sunglasses thing, actually on Chabad.org, they had an article about it written by my nephew. Who works for Chabad.org? Why Hasidim? Why Hasidim uh, don't? Why Hasidim don't wear sunglasses? You don't wear sunglasses? Now I was a little surprised at that also because when I went into Israel, <laughs> I got these clip-ons for my, you know, in Israel. You... Oh my God! You're so... <laughs> I love how every single Jewish dad is the same. Every <laughs> single one of them. Every single Jewish dad who has prescription glasses has the clip-on at some point in their life. Yes. They okay. don't wear them I'm... now. Well, thank, now you know I'm a Jewish dad. Anyway, and I only use it in Israel. I don't use it in any other place because you, when you in Israel, you're walking outside, you have sunglasses. It's kind of it's difficult. Anyway, so and then in the article, they mention a sikh of the Rebbe. They actually have a clip of it, but I just looked it up in the in the transcript. The Rebbe talks about now he doesn't talk about sunglasses, but he does talk about sunglasses. He's talking about a different subject and brings it. I'll explain to you. The Rebbe's talking there about realizing what the truth of the world is. The truth of the world is Hashem. 
but it's the world is the world. He gives the, and so he, he gives a lengthy talk, but he gives an example of having a bright light or a precious stone that has like a, a radiance to it. So you cover it. If it's too bright, you cover it again, you cover it again. As many covers as there are, you know the light is there. That's point number one. Point number two is you sometimes cover the light so you should be able to benefit from it. And then he talks about the sun, right? The sun is so important to us, like photosynthesis. I learned about this in seventh grade. That makes the next thing, like the sun makes things grow. So the sun is really important. But when we walk outside and want to look at the sun, it'll hurt our eyes. So what do we do? We put on tunka labrillin, a tunkala gloves. That means a dark glass, a sunglasses. You put on sunglasses, so you should be able to benefit from the sun without it hurting you. So you have this balance over here. We want the sun to be the sun because it's so beneficial to life. We also have to protect ourselves from it. While we're protecting ourselves from the sun, we know what the sun is. We don't forget about it. And the same thing is also with the body and the soul. The, the life of the person comes from the neshama, from the soul. But it's put into the body because then the body can function. But when, when it's in the body, it's like, it's like there's sunglasses. But, if you, but you want to make sure that the sunglasses are only there to allow the sun to be productive. You should be able to see, you should be able to, when you walk out in the sun, you should be able to see where you're going. You don't want the sun to be turned off. You want the sun to be there, but you don't want it to hurt you. You have to remember that your soul is in the body so the body can function. You want the soul to be there. And you want the body to be there because the body is what has to do the mitzvahs. So the body is like the sunglasses, the neshama is like the sun. So that's, I thought it was very, very, you know, amazing that that analogies are so perfect so, and so instructive of, of the balance between body and soul. And by the way, you can go look up the article, but why don't Hasidim wear sunglasses? I never thought about this in my life. I never, I never thought about it. Because you're right, my father, who you met, he should be, be well. He also had, I don't know if he had clip-on, but I think he had two, you know, he had like, you know, sunglasses, prescription sunglasses. Anyway, um, so yeah, that, that is a, but I never thought why, why Hasidim don't wear sunglasses. So he suggests two things. One of them is that since Hasidim wear a black hat, or you're wearing a red hat, that would also work. So it, it naturally, there's a certain shade over your eyes. <laughs> I think you just made up. The, the, and the other thing is, which I, which resonated more, that sunglasses are not, in, in society, are not just functional, but sunglasses are also like a fashion statement. Yeah? Yes. In many ways. Do people buy certain kind of glasses, da, 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 right? That's why you most see them when you wear glasses. Oh, you, you know the Rebbe had glasses, you know that? Th that he had glasses? I don't know that I've ever seen him wearing glasses. No, you, you, you don't, the Rebbe had green glasses. Mm. And of course, what were the rims like? Simple, simple, you know, the brown or black, uh, I, don't think, I think it was brown plastic rims. Right? So it wasn't a fashion statement, it was a function thing. So the reason why Hasidim didn't wear sunglasses is because it became such a popular fashion thing. And we, we shun, you know, physicality as just a way of showing off. So anyway, but, I, but the more important thing is the lesson that we learned from sunglasses. Now we go to the next thing.
What is that? Umbrellas. Again, I think I, I never thought about it. I never thought about it, but I knew the Rebbe didn't use an umbrella. Everybody knows the Rebbe didn't use an umbrella. We've seen the Rebbe come and go hundreds of times, never saw him using an umbrella. So here's the story. I was in Crown Heights on Sunday, and you know what the weather was on Sunday? It was raining. Really hard. So I went to Davin, um, my in 770, and I had an umbrella. I took it from my brother's house. One of those big jumbo umbrellas, right? Right. I'm, I'm walking back from 770, and passes me is my good friend. He's older than me, but he's my friend, and I consider him, I don't know if he considers it, but I consider him to be somewhat of a mentor, and definitely a source of Hasidic knowledge. He's he's a teacher in, in Crown Heights, Wonderful guy. His name is Shalom Kharatanov. He's rather short, not very short, but short. And he walks around like, you know, like a Hasidic scholar, very humbly. So he passes me. I said some good night to him or good evening, whatever. And as he passes me, as I walked like another 10 steps, I realized that it was raining hard and he didn't have an umbrella, but I had an umbrella. And I was like rushing to get back to the house because it was, even though you have an umbrella, it's still not comfortable to walk in the rain. Then I said, wait a second, he's walking, and he's walking in the wrong direction in the opposite direction of me, right? Then I said, Oh, that's so not nice. If you respect this man, you should let him walk under your umbrella. So I turned around, I caught up with him, and I and I started walking with him. You know, in the opposite direction. No, yeah, in his direction. And I said to him, this is what I said to him. I said, Why don't you have an umbrella? Is it because of batlanus or haskashrus? What does that mean? I said, you not have a, don't you, you not have a, a, an umbrella just because you're like a scatterbrain and like you didn't think of it? Or is it because of hiskashrus? means, lakashem means to bind yourself. And by chassidim, there's this idea of being makusher to the Rebbe. means connected to the Rebbe. Not just connected, but connected in, you know, in a deep way. Dr. Rebbe talks about this in Tanya, quotes the Gemara. You should attach yourself to a tzaddik. Now, of course, Siddim asked the Rebbe, how can we be connected to you? What did the Rebbe say? Learn the, learn the Torah that I learn, do the mitzvahs that I do, follow my guidance, right? But then there's also the other things that sometimes Chas will do something, and there's really no good reason except that's what the Rebbe does, right? That's a, which is a pretty good reason. So he said to me, he, he thought for a second, he said, it's kashras. means he said, I'm do I don't have an umbrella because the Rebbe didn't use an umbrella. Oh, and then we walked along and I had a I'd actually I stood outside his house for a couple minutes. I was, I was talking about the Tanya I was learning. Then I started thinking to myself, why didn't Rebbe use an umbrella? So there's another Hasidic scholar, his name is Yossi Paltiel. You can hear his teachings. He, he's a great teacher of Hasidus. His name of his website is insightchasidus.org. Okay, anyway. So I, I sent him a message. I said, Give me something on the Rebbe and umbrellas, right? And you think, what, 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 what is there? Ah, so he sent me back a couple of voice notes. He said, this is what I have in umbrellas. Like, oh man, this is exciting. So he said, one time somebody asked the Rebbe about not using an umbrella, and the Rebbe said something to the effect of, have you ever seen a soldier with an umbrella? Right? Think about it. <laughs> Soldiers go to war, then I can't get an umbrella. That's one thing. Then another thing was that Rebbe once said, in fact, this he said a story 
that the Rebbe's mother had an aide that helped her, it was a Jewish woman, but not, she wasn't actually very, very observant. And she told the story to another woman who told the story to Rabbi Paltiel. And here's the story. The Rebbe, she, he, the Rebbe would visit his mother every, every day. And she was there once, and somehow the, the subject of umbrellas came up with the aide. And the Rebbe said to her, why would you want to separate yourself from the rain of blessing that's coming from Hashem? In the Hebrew expression is gishme bracha, right? And rain is like, just like the sun, the rain is valuable. We need rain. Obviously, God forbid, we don't want to have floods. But rain is so important. Things grow from rain. Why would you separate yourself from the rain that Hashem is giving you? And she said, she told this other woman that since that day, she never used an umbrella again. So the so, so you have two ideas. One idea is the idea of a soldier. Second idea is that in a way you like having you're, you're creating a cover upon yourself which separates you from the rain, separates you from the from the from the blessing Hashem gives to you. So I found that very um, insightful. You know, there's there's a couple of points here. The one point is like doing something because the Rebbe does it. The other point is like, which I think much more important to some degree. How the Rebbe, how things that you think are like, okay, they're use an umbrella, like whatever, who knows why? And here, like, there's like, it's a thought out idea. It's like, uh, and even, even, you know, people always, you know, somebody once said, you know why I became more observant? I became an observant Jew because I learned that Torah has an opinion about how you tie your shoes in the morning. Mm. Like, what do you, right? Because, you know, you put the right shoe on and you put the left shoe and you tie the left shoe and then you tie the right shoe. Because you know the right side is predominant in Torah, also the right comes first. When it comes to tying, tefillin, you tie the tefillin, you tie the tefillin first you know, on the left hand. Sorry, so that's what you do. Tie, you put on the right shoe. Here, also, you think like wearing an umbrella, carrying an umbrella. What's the big deal? No, it's an awareness of creating a, a, a separation between yourself and Hashem when Hashem is giving you a bracha. Wearing sunglasses. Every time I put on sunglasses, you think about all oh, the sunglasses remind us that the body is a shield for the soul so the body and the soul together can serve Hashem. So I think that's I think that's a powerful approach to life. Always recognize that everything that exists has the godly, godly aspect to it and the Torah aspect to it. So everything you're doing, somehow, how can I connect this to Hashem? And now you know, every time you put on sunglasses, you'll know what to be thinking about. Which I think brings us to the last thing, which is, of course, you'll be thinking about the Rebbe. So was there an extra Rebbe story that we had? Oh, I mean, I told you already sunglasses and I told you an umbrella. I don't, I'm not sure about a Rebbe story, but a, a Rebbe instruction, which is also, let's, because this is important. This is really important. During the three weeks now, in this Shabbos, we bless in the, the new month of Menachem Av. So during this time, we, you know, restrictions. No buying new clothes, no weddings, no go swimming during the nine days. And the Rebbe said, we got to find the positive thing here. The positive thing is that days of mourning and fasting is only a means to accomplish something so it can be transformed, make these dark days into light days. And he said, you know what, guys? What we need to do is, is to learn about the base on Mikdash. We want the base of it was destroyed and want to be rebuilt. And when you study Torah, that's like rebuilding it, especially about the base on Mikdash. Where Hashem says to Yechaskel, the prophet, teach him about the base of Middash. Yechaskel wouldn't teach him about the base of Middash. It's not going to be built or in exile. He said, no, no. When you learn about it, it's like it's re like you're, you're actually participating in building it. So that's important. Every day, you go to Chabad.org, they have all kinds of classes 
or you can pick up anything else that and like really be focused during these three weeks about studying about the base on Mikdash, what it actually looked like, how it functioned, all those types of things. And Hashem will say, Oh wow, my children, the Jewish people, are so interested in the base on Mikdash. He'll bring the third base on Mikdash with the coming of Mashiach Tzit Kainu. Amen. Perfect. And that and, is and, how we'll end it. Oh, wait, do you have more? Yeah, no, I was going to say, and until that time, Hashem should continue giving our family and all the Jewish people many reasons to celebrate. Amen. All right. So that is how we will end episode 12 of the Posecast with Rabbi Shmuel Posner. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week, same time, same place.